we'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open, and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the future of health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. Hello, everybody. Um, this is Dr. Roseanne Fishgetchel. I'm a clinical psychologist at Providence and I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Dr. Tyson Payne. He is also a clinical psychologist. Hello, everybody. Um, we are here today to talk about some very important issues that have been on the mind of teachers, parents, and students regarding homeschooling and teen mental health, especially during a pandemic. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. So first of all, I just wanted to have a reminder for you all, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. If you have any questions regarding medical conditions or treatment plans, please feel free to consult your physician. Participating in this event with these clinicians, including myself and Dr. Payne, does not create a physician-patient relationship. Let's get started. So Dr. Payne, you are a licensed psychologist who specializes in pediatrics with Providence Health System. And I know working for, with you personally, you are an incredible physician when working with children, adolescents, and their families. And I'm excited to talk to you today about how is homeschooling working? How can we focus on mental health for our teens and our children? So would you mind just letting me know a little bit more about, and us, about what's your role in Providence and what are you doing? Thank you, and I appreciate it. It's actually a really unique opportunity to be interviewed by a peer who also specializes in pediatrics. So this is, I'm really excited about this conversation because it's the, it's the conversation, it's not just an interview. Um, currently, I work for Providence as a psychologist in primary care and specialty care. And so seeing all sorts of teens and adolescents for just about everything under the sun, whether it's anxiety, depression, or medical concerns. Absolutely. And I love that we're having a conversation today about it. Um, let's dive in because I know people are eager to learn more. What have you noticed as far as changes in teens since the onset of COVID-19? Yeah. There, and there's been a very distinct change in how I work and presenting problems that I'm seeing. There's definitely an uptick in anxiety and depression, specifically amongst teens and adolescents. The where it, one of the things that we would look for in depression is isolation and everyone is forced to isolate. And so naturally you would see a progression of depression. The, and of course, anxiety, there's so much more fear. Um, as teens see media or social media concerns, there is an uptick in anxiety and, and, and just fear about the unknown, uh, not just on a society and global, uh, view, but also on a very personal and social view that where teens are being isolated from their peers, they're not sure, like they're able to stay in contact with their peers. However, it's not the same as it was before. And that social awareness and social comfort that people used to get, they don't have anymore. Oh, such a good point that a lot of those social 
supports and reinforcers and coping skills that teens used to use are completely cut off or no longer safe for them. Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing that. I'm also wondering now that we're almost a year, if you can believe it, into teen homeschooling, what kinds of effects have we all seen from this? But it's really interesting to, to be an observer of that. And having known some of my patients before the pandemic, it's teens who were, you know, maybe had just a little bit of anxiety and, but were straight A students and very popular and doing well in, in, in sports and all these other things. They're struggling. They're failing all their classes right now. Mm. And it's, it's been very interesting to me to kind of notice what factors have been helpful and what factors haven't been helpful. The, another unique thing that I've seen too is uh, teens who struggled with social anxiety. Mm. Uh, you know, initially they actually did a little bit better during the pandemic because they didn't have to face some of those social concerns. And however, that I feel like that was a little bit short-lived and even I'm getting patients right now who are just that same social anxiety is coming up in Zoom classes. Mm. And times when they have to present or even just small groups. Yeah. Could you explain to our listeners what kind of social anxiety signs or symptoms might you see as a parent or maybe somebody that knows a teen right now? You know, typically you would see an avoidance of social activities. Um, maybe they're not communicating as much with friends as you, you may expect. Uh, during the pandemic, it's a little bit harder to notice. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's tough to tell. Sometimes teens will turn off their cameras because they just don't want to be seen or they didn't do their hair this morning or that everyone else is turning off their camera. Sometimes they're turning it off because there is a little bit of social anxiety behind that. Mm. And so that, that might be something that you have a conversation with your teen about like, hey, I noticed you don't necessarily turn your camera on even though I know your teachers require it. The, you know, what, what are your thoughts about that? What do you think? Like, is that something you're willing to try? And yeah. kind of leaning into that, getting them to talk about that. Yeah, I love that. Um, we actually already have a question from our listeners, which I love that you all are so engaged. And I think one thing that can impact depression and anxiety is the interactions or the lack of positive interactions with peers. So what do you do if classmates are bullying your teen? And th this is so challenging. I mean, it was challenging before the pandemic when you knew mm -hmm. that your teen was maybe having some like, People were making comments about them, or maybe there was some cyberbullying going on. Now it's a lot more subtle, and you know, with the the phenomena of cyberbullying, we're definitely seeing that even more so now during the pandemic, because mm -hmm. everything is happening online. And you know, cyberbullying is challenging because people will they won't filter what they'll say. There's a little there's a level of anonymity. Like I can say something, and I don't have to be accountable about that. Mm -hmm. And the so it, it can be incredibly challenging. You know, first and foremost, as best as you can, get your team to start talking about it. Get them to open up about it. Like, hey, what did someone say? Like, did that, you know, that would have hurt my feelings. Like, how, how was that for you? If you notice that it's a continual theme within the class, it's, it's worth asking your team, like, how do you want to handle this? Do you want to bring it up to the teacher? Because, you know, this, it's not okay for you to not feel safe in a class. Mm-hmm. Or do you want me to bring it up? And doing it in a subtle, helpful way, um, kind of because teachers, school personnel, they, they don't want this to happen either. And oftentimes they're unaware, especially in a, an online community where everything can be behind the scenes. Yeah. 
Oh, I love that. And it, really being able to encourage teens to be a part of finding a solution so that we're not automatically as parents going into problem solving mode without helping them out along the way. I love that. Good. Um, I've got another question for, about social anxiety from one of our viewers. So they say, I'm worried about my teen's social anxiety being exacerbated when she has to go back into school in person. Any suggestions about how to be prepared for that? Wow, what a great question. Absolutely, it's such a good question. And I think that's a, something that a lot of people aren't thinking about right now. Mm -hmm. that kids who already struggle with social anxiety and even those that didn't, going back is gonna be incredibly anxiety provoking. I haven't seen my friends in a year. You know, what if I walk funny? What if I talk funny? You know, I've been able to turn off my camera for all my classes. I've changed a lot in a year. The There is definitely going to be, that's going to be the next wave that we see in mental yeah. health, especially with adolescents, is the social anxiety and the worry about going back to in person. And again, preparing your, your teen by having a conversation. Hey, what's that going to look like? Letting them know the details of what the school is planning as far as rollout goes to getting them back in person. Are they going to have to wear masks? Mm -hmm. Are they, because going back is going to be weird. The classes are going to be different than they were a year ago. And so as, as much knowledge as you have about what that's going to look like, helping prepare them with that. Then from there, you know, talking about it early and talking about, hey, you know, let's say that you are worried about what how things are going to be in class. What can you do? So proactively talking about, you know, what coping skills can we start to engage? And, you know, what things can we do when slash if this happens? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Are there things that we can do now, even though we might not actually know when and how we're going to go back in person at school? Yeah. Love it. Dr. Payne, have you also noticed some other questions or concerns coming from parents of teens regarding homeschooling and teen mental health that's been a pattern for you? Yeah, definitely. And the, probably the, I would say the biggest one is how do I keep my teen motivated to do school? <laughs> Yes. And it's, you know, the pandemic is so challenging. Doing school from home is so hard because millions of dollars are poured into getting schools into this awesome learning environment. And there's, mm. you know, centuries of, you know, things that uh, teachers and schools have built on to make, uh, to make schools the awesome learning environments that they are. Mm -hmm. And now we've shifted all that to the home. The home, you know, the home's not the place where we do school stuff. It's where we go to relax, to goof around, yeah. to spend time as a family, to just be ourselves. And to transform that into a, a formal educational environment is incredibly challenging. Mm -hmm. And it's, it makes so much sense to me that it's easy for kids to sit, you know, just kind of default to say, yeah, I'm at home. If I don't do my work, there are no social consequences. No one knows what grades I'm getting. No one, like, I don't, I don't have to face my teacher who knows that I'm failing her class. I don't mm -hmm. have to walk down the halls knowing that I'm failing my class. There's no social consequences to getting bad grades or even just to, it, to getting into class. You know, oftentimes, like for my kids and other kids, like there are, there is an apparent home to make sure that there is, they're getting on to every single one of their classes and that they're doing all their work. Yeah. Where before it was like, oh yeah, I dropped my kid off at school or I know they got onto the bus. Right. And, and so the, you knew that there was some level of engagement. Now it's so easy for them to, well, I got onto my class today. Nothing really happened. We had a breakout mm -hmm. room. The, and we don't know what like without a lot of careful follow-up like hey i noticed you're missing this assignment or whatever it is like it's so easy for teens to fall back behind and it does yeah. take a highly engaged parent to help keep 
even the best and smartest students engaged in this environment. Yeah, I even find myself having a hard time engaging and motivating myself. Being a teen, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, to add a little bit more to that question, we had somebody that popped up with a question very similarly. And while I don't remember the whole thing, they were asking about what can we do to reinforce that positive behavior? Oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> any advice for teens who are losing motivation in their classes? So we're talking a little bit about that already. Multiple classes for junior high and high school, yes. 10 months in and with so many activities and events closed, it's hard to offer incentives and stay motivated. So any incentive ideas? Yeah, it's it's going to vary from team to team. You got to figure out what makes them tick. Yeah. Um, for some teams, it might mean extra video game time, or it might mean the hey, we're going to set up this trip or even mm. money, whatever that is. Like it's going to vary from team to team. But I think it is important to offer consequences, even if that consequence is just like, hey, I want you to know I'm really proud of you. Yeah. Um, that that verbal affirmation of like, you know, school is really hard right now and you did awesome. I had an awesome experience personally as a father when last week my daughter sent me a text of a picture of all her grades. And oh, I know wow. she tried so hard, but she was so proud of her grades and she wanted to show me that. That meant so much to me. And, you know, of course, I'm going to reinforce that as much as I can. The, it, it's making sure that, you know, they know that you're proud of them. Yeah. The challenge is like, what if their grades aren't awesome? Then, yeah. then how do you keep them motivated? How do you let them know that you're proud of them? And that from there, it's notice that at times that they are putting an effort and reinforce that. Hey, I know you're getting onto your classes, even though this is really hard. Mm -hmm. I know that you got that assignment and even though you didn't get a good grade on it. Like I yeah. see your chat or you're working and this is hard right now. And <laughs> kind of like you just did, it's hard for us as adults too. Yes. You know, something that I think is really important with keeping motivation is routines. And making sure that you're reinforcing that routine. Um, mm -hmm. Getting up at the same time, going to bed at the same time. And as much as you can, tr making sure that your teen is getting physical activity in addition to that. Mm -hmm. if, yes. they're, if they are moving, they're going to feel better. And that's mm -hmm. going to help them do better. Yeah. Oh, I love that. This is a little aligned with the motivation issue, but a little bit different. So we've talked a lot about conversations and staying in touch with our teens. What do we do and how do we talk to a teen who isn't talking and isn't connecting with us as parents? Yeah, and this, it's like trying to crack a safe that you don't know how, you don't have the combination or you don't know how it works. Yeah. Uh, it takes all, like, keep trying is the big thing. The, and try different approaches. Even if it's you know something I did with one of my middle schooler is we started to play video games together. Mm. And we wouldn't talk about hard things, but we would just spend time together. Or I'd have him teach me a new computer program. Like mm. the getting meeting them at their level and getting them to engage. Um, mm -hmm. As a family, we started to play Among Us, you know, that kind of the Ooh. trendy app that teens are playing right now. Okay. In an effort to build rapport with them, but also provide opportunities for them to talk. Yeah. And I feel like as a parent, you know, you the the crucial conversations that you have can be divided up into two categories. First mm -hmm. category being like proactive conversations, conversations that you plan on having like, hey, we need to talk about this. And then we're getting into kind of some of the harder stuff. The other mm -hmm. one is reactive conversations, being ready for those hard conversations. Because teens, so, for a lot of teens and adolescents, it is so hard for them to talk about things they're struggling with because yeah. they don't have the words yet. Mm. And so it does kind of take a crucial eye to say, okay, uh, you know what? That looked like that was important to you. Try to tell mm. me more about it. And even if they're just saying, yeah, math sucks right now, like mm -hmm. 
being okay with that and being empathetic, being right there for them, being supportive to them as much as you can in those moments when they're offering even just a little bit of information. I love that. So staying the course, knowing it's going to take a while, trying to find a, a way to engage that they're really motivated by. Yeah. Love that. It's hard. Uh, it is hard. <laughs> is there anything that parents should avoid doing right now to support their teens while they're doing homeschooling and also just in their overall mental health? Yeah, kind of as a general rule, anything that's shaming. And it's so mm -hmm. challenging when you need to talk about hard things like bad grades or yeah. you know, that things that they know they should be doing as much as you can try to be understanding in those moments of like, I know you're getting a bad grade in that class, you know, tell me what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Again, going back to one of my, my experiences, even before this had to have a conversation about with my son, like, Hey, I noticed you're failing math. What's up? Yeah. Not saying, Hey, you need to get that grade up more just like, what's up? They, I noticed this is like, I assume something's going on with math. Tell me more about it. Love and sure that. enough, like he, he was having some technical problems, like not understanding the website. Mm. Um, you know, it, the it's it was easier before the pandemic to try to no, to identify anxiety and depression because it's like, okay, you know, I noticed my teen isn't as social mm. and is avoiding social conversations and just avoiding the parents. Like, like it was a little bit easier to identify that when they were isolating. Um, mm. It's harder now because every teen is is isolating. <laughs> Right. And so being in tune with like, okay, I noticed that they used to really like doing art and they're not doing art anymore. Like, uh, mm. or they liked this video game and they're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Oh, um, try to try to identify when they've lost interest in things that typically they have interest in. Yeah. Um, obviously grades are a concern. Like if their grades are lower, like there's something there, try to get them to talk about it. And oftentimes it has nothing to do with schooling. It has to do with, you know, other emotional concerns or mood concerns. Yeah. Um, the, it, and uh, the, if you can, as much as you can monitor their, their social activity, like, Hey, I noticed that you haven't been texting your friends as much recently. What's up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it, you know, as far as other things to avoid, it's something to be, that is kind of a fine line to walk is access to technology. Hmm. Uh, before the pandemic, it was pretty easy. Like, Hey, you know, like, Let's make sure that you know you're only on this site and you ha only have time for this amount. Um, however, it's I'm singing a different song as a psychologist now than I was before in respect to technology and social media, because right now that is their only access to their friends. Yeah, you know, before if you think about it, like the when I was in high school, like the a lot of the times that were enjoyable, the times that I enjoyed was like in between class when I was walking to a class with my friend, or at lunch when we were. <laughs> you know, talking in a group, those don't happen anymore. Right. Or that when the teacher's like preparing something and you lean over to your friend and tell them a joke, those little <laughs> moments don't happen anymore. Yeah. In the same way they're happening on social media. And so the, as a parent, it is a tricky balance to say, okay, I want to make sure that I'm providing appropriate levels of technology to my kids. Mm -hmm. And right now this is their only gateway to socialization, which is such a crucial part of the adolescent experience. Yeah. And so if, you know, if there are concerns about grades or behaviors or other concerns and you need to give a consequence as a parent, I would be very careful and deliberate if you choose to take away social media or take away a phone. Um, that, that would almost be kind of a last resort that I would recommend just because then you're effectively cutting them off from the world when you do that. Mm -hmm. um, it's like saying, it'd be like the same as 
us telling you know, our parents telling us when we were in high school, you can't go to school at all, but you still have to do all the schoolwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, such a good point that we have to be able to shift, especially right now in the kind of social interactions that are safe for teens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that you're talking about really making sure that we're not shaming and, and staying open when there's something that we need to talk about with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love this question that one of our viewers asked, at what point should I find a doctor for my teen to talk to? Do I have to go through my primary care doctor? Excellent question. It, the, uh, if you're worried about it, then you know it's it's definitely worth talking to your doctor. Mm. Um, and you know maybe there isn't anything there, but if there's something in the back of your head that says, "Hey, I'm worried about my teen," it's definitely yeah. worth talking to your doctor. Um, yeah. the, do you have to go through your primary care doctor? Uh, that's a little more technical question. It depends on your insurance. Um, I, it may be worth contacting your insurance first if you're going to use insurance and saying, "Hey, I'm looking for someone for my." my teen to talk to what's mm -hmm. the best avenue the oftentimes in primary care there are embedded psychologists like us uh and that is an easy access an easy way to access readily available help yeah i love that and also normalizing that we don't necessarily have to have a really big problem or we're in a crisis to ask for help from a mental health professional that maybe it'd be really helpful for our teens to normalize talking to a psychologist or a therapist in the community it could be a part of just like you go to your primary care physician for checkups. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, and I think the, the, that kind of does lead to a point that kind of surrounds all this too with, with mm. managing our anxiety, with managing depression for our teen, we also need to be modeling a lot of these behaviors, keeping yeah. good routines, keeping exercise, if we need to see a counselor, go in and find a counselor for ourselves. The mm -hmm. it, as hard as this is on teens, it's also hard on parents too. And the I feel like I'm treating just as many parents as I am kids because yeah, the as a parent, not only have I taken on the role of a teacher, but now I'm also the school counselor and the lunch lady and all these other things that the schools provide. Yeah, and that's a lot. I, and you know, when my kids don't do well at school, I shoulder that more than I used to before. Mm. That's a, such a good point that there's so many different pieces of the school system that they provide to teens that right now they can't because they're not in person. And when we're thinking about the health of the whole family, do you have any tips for us as far as how do we involve the whole family in getting through this really hard time, including our teens, but also everybody else? And routine, uh, traditions are so important. And mm. so routine things that you do as a family, like, hey, every Thursday night, we're going to play games. No homework, no chores. We're just going to play games or movie night or whatever that is. And, you know, it's the beginning of the year. This is a great time to start implementing that. It's, yeah. it's really been a, uh, a kind of an awesome experience through the pandemic, how I've seen with kids, how they've actually become more resilient and closer mm. to their siblings and to their parents. Yeah. And the... It's, it takes, a, it's challenging, but the, there are a lot of good opportunities that the pandemic and socialization has provided for the family and, mm -hmm. you know, providing traditions like, you know, every 15th of the month, we're going to have spaghetti or <laughs> fun little <laughs> things like that, that happen every, like with some, some degree of consistency so that the team knows, Hey, we are going to hang out. Yeah. I love that. One thing that I have heard from a family lately is they do talent nights or 
teach the family something. And so yeah. everybody will prepare a, a 15 minute lesson and you can teach on anything that's appropriate. So that's I love a, that. a fascinating one. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had another question from our viewers coming in and with the last couple of minutes, I wanted to get to this one. How much should I push my teens to engage with their friends electronically or otherwise? I worry that one of my teens is not interacting hardly with anyone lately. Yeah, and it, it, the, and I'm glad you're noticing that because yeah. that that is a concern. The and you know there's it's hard for teens to talk about that sometimes. Um, if you can provide them the opportunity, like, hey, I noticed you're not talking with anyone. What's up? Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes it, it, like with sometimes it's a lack of well all my friends have access to discord and i don't or they're all mm -hmm. using this platform and i'm not and you know that's that's kind of an easy barrier as a parent to say okay hey well let's see if we can provide access for that to you mm -hmm. um and so it's it's going to vary from team to team but you know Again, model, make sure that you're reaching out to your friends and that they see you hanging out like, hey, I, you know, I was chatting with so-and-so today and it's so good to talk to someone who's not in the family. Mm -hmm. um, and then also making sure like, hey, the, you know, I just, I know we just moved the, you know, have you been able to chat with anyone in your class? It is incredible. Like every time I meet a patient who has made a friend recently, it's like a celebration in the office. Yes. Um, just because it so rarely happens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it, it, for a lot of teens, it's they just lose contact with friends. Yeah. And, you know, as much as you can, encourage them to reach out to people they haven't spoken to in a while, because undoubtedly those people are also struggling too. Mm -hmm. um, oh, great points. I, I've, I haven't met too many teens yet who said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I hang out with friends too much or I'm talking too much online. <laughs> I haven't I've yet to see that. No. I think that's a really good point. And staying creative and open and persistent. We might yeah. not solve it all in one conversation, but we can keep talking about it. Yeah. Well, and you know, if you notice that your teen is lonely, uh, mm -hmm. as, as much as you can try to fill in that gap. I know it's not necessarily the coolest thing for my, my teens to hang out with dad. Um, however, <laughs> they don't have a choice. Um, <laughs> That, but provide opportunities like, hey, uh, you know, you want to play a game of Uno real quick or Among Us or whatever that is. Yeah. So try to fill in that a little bit of that gap. Love that. Well, we're getting down to the last minute. Any other thoughts that you wanted to share with our viewers? This has been a really great conversation, Dr. Payne. Yeah. You know, it, to parents, you know, it's this is such a scary time for parents also. And worrying mm -hmm. that, you know, is my teen okay? Um, because as parents, we worry no matter what. Yeah. And you know, as when your teen is struggling, cause most teens are struggling right now, you know, be kind to yourself. It's, yeah. it's really easy for us as parents to take on that blame of like, Oh, maybe I did this or it's this problem because of this, you know, as much as you can be kind to yourself in those moments, it's not helpful to bring that guilt into your parenting. Oh, such a great point. Self-compassion goes a long ways for parents and teens. Wonderful. Well, it's been really great to join you all um, today and I hope you're doing well. I hope you and your family stay well um, in the next several months and hopefully we get to see each other in person soon. Good. All right. 
We've got the last piece here. For more information, especially if you're looking for a provider, please visit coronavirus.providence.org. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Payne, for joining us today and everybody for listening, sending in your questions, especially those were so helpful. If you're looking for help for mental health or other medical advice, you can also visit providence.org and make sure to follow Providence on our social media platforms. We've got Providence on Twitter and under Providence Health System on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you all. Thank you, Dr. Gatchel. Yeah, take care.